Welcome to 20 Minute Bible Study, a teaching podcast from Faith on Hill Church in Milwaukee, Oregon. My name is Adam, and while you open up your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 17, I'm going to put 20 minutes on the clock. Last week, we saw how God provided for the needs of the people for food. The people of Israel had been traveling in the wilderness. It's been said that armies march on their stomach, and the people of Israel had no ability to cultivate food. They were in the wilderness. They were not in a place that lent itself to growing food, but they were also journeying. They weren't ready to settle down and plant crops. So God provided all of their needs as far as food goes. But they also have a need for water. You can actually go far longer without food than without water. You might remember that Jesus fasted for 40 days in the wilderness with no food. It doesn't say no water. The human body can only exist for about three days without drinking water, whereas the human body can exist well over 40 days without eating anything, depending on uh, the, the fat and the, the stores uh, the, the body has. So starting in chapter 17, verse 1, it says, The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin. And don't read too much into the, the desert of sin. Um, I've seen some places where it's referred to as the desert of Zin, Z-I-N. We're dealing with translations from ancient Hebrew into modern English. So the translators translate it phonetically, and it sounds like sin, but that doesn't mean that that there's some kind of metaphor there. I think you got to watch out for Bible teachers, uh, people who are trying to make something out of nothing that this is somehow some kind of analogy for exiting the life of sin, because we're, we're going to see that the, the people of Israel, they still have all kinds of problems. Obviously, God wants us to, to leave sin behind. But let's focus on where God actually says that versus trying to make some weird analogy because uh, we don't understand linguistics or translation. It says, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. You might remember from an earlier study that the people of Israel were organized by their tribe and then subdivided by different families and clans and associations. And the Lord led them as a pillar of cloud by day and as a pillar of fire by night. So what that means is that there would be a large pillar of cloud or at night a pillar of fire. And when the pillar began to move, the people began to move. Now, that's interesting. I don't doubt that there was some point at like three in the morning and the night watchmen are patrolling the camp and they see whatever the signal is. Maybe the cloud starts to move. The pillar of fire starts to move slowly. And all of a sudden they have to raise the alarm and everybody's woken up from a dead sleep because God has begun to move at that point. I really doubt that, that it was at a very uh, set time. It's 9 a.m. All right, it's time to get going. God wasn't on their schedule. They were on God's. I believe one of the things that has been so hard for people during this pandemic has been the loss of control. I, don't, I won't criticize anyone else. I'll criticize my own profession. 
I have seen pastors who are used to planning and setting agendas struggle mightily because their agendas have been swept aside. And the idea that my plans, I mean, how many churches did 2020 Vision as their big uh, beginning of the year sermon or sermon series, and all of those plans got wiped away? I'm really glad I didn't, I love dad jokes. I'm really glad I didn't go for that dad joke. We didn't do a 2020 Vision sermon or anything like that. But all your plans get wiped away. Because ultimately, if we are the servants of God, that means we, aren't, we are not on our own timetable, our own schedule, we're on his. That the Lord knows our comings and our goings. I remember frustrated I was. We knew in April of 2016 that our time in California was ending, and so we began the search for our next spot and nothing and nothing and doors that should have opened closed and rejection and you, what is all of this? But the Lord knows his plans and the Lord knows the right times and the Lord set it up just in the right way so that we would come here. And I'm so thankful that that's how God arranged it. There was a time in my life, 2009, where I was at a church. I knew that God wanted me to leave that church. And yet, every time I, I said, all right, Lord, is this the Sunday I don't go anymore? He said, no, this is, this is for you to stay. And actually, for six months, he told me to connect more and serve more. And then one day, God said, this is it. This is your time. So I told the ministry leader I was, I was done. I said, I, I, I'm not bailing on you. I'm going to give you, you know, two weeks uh, if you want it, so that I, you know you aren't scrambling, uh, but but I'm moving on. And it lined up perfectly. My job shifted, my housing situation shifted, all of these things shifted, and it put me on. I, I know I've said this before, at least on a Sunday morning, but it put me on a trajectory that I can trace from where I am right now back to that moment in 2009. They traveled from place to place as the Lord commanded. If you're struggling against this idea of having your plans, your agenda shifted, this is a good opportunity to say, Lord, am I in your agenda? Am I traveling from place to place as you command, or am I going from place to place and saying, Lord, bless this. Uh, This is where I'm going. I hope it's good. They camped at Rephidium, but there was no water for the people. Now that is life and death. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink, as if Moses had some hidden somewhere. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? Sometimes we're mad at someone, and really the issue is between, not between us and that person, it's between us and the Lord. I want to be really careful because these next few verses deal with leadership. And I recognize that some have used these verses as a way to control people and to prop up their own leadership over a church or over their family in an unbiblical way. No interest in that. But if the leadership of Faith on Hill or if the leadership of whatever church family that you are a part of seeks the Lord and prays and asks the Lord for his guidance and his direction, and they go a certain way, and then you say, I don't think that's the way it should be. 
are you really quarreling with the leadership or are you quarreling with God? Now, I, 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 I have seen and I have sadly been a part of churches with bad leadership, unhealthy leadership, prideful leadership, and they say, don't question me. I'm, I'm hearing from the Lord. I, I get it. And that may be that you aren't supposed to continue on with that church. I'm, I'm not looking to prop up anyone's power. But is the issue with the person or is the issue with the Lord? Is the issue, if, you're, if you are still living under your parents' roof, and it's not an unbiblical rule, it's not an abusive rule, I'm not talking about situations where you're, you're being harmed or threatened, but if, if you are somebody still living under your parents' roof, and they're putting rules on you that you think are, are harsh or extreme, but that, they're, they're the authority the Lord's put on your life. If you have a boss, again, not abusive, not harmful, who is the Lord placed in your life? Sometimes I think, you know, for eight years under President Obama, the last four years under President Trump, sometimes I think, depending on which administration it is, either my progressive Christian friends or my conservative Christian friends, it's like, you know what, take it up with the Lord, because if the Lord is the one who establishes governments— that's between you and him. Why do you put the Lord to the test? When they come and they say, give us some water, it's not an issue of the question. Yes, they need water to survive. It's the attitude. I believe that God will provide for me because I have always seen God provide for me. Does that mean that I've always had an abundance of everything? No, there have been times that have been really rough. There have been, I mean, you know, some people, it's like, when, when was your your poorest, your rock bottom. And I know exactly when it was, November of 2006. I paid all my bills and I had enough money to have half a packet of pasta every day with no sauce, just pasta noodles. That's how much I had left. But I didn't starve. I lost some weight, but I didn't starve. And the Lord has always taken care of me. So why should I question it going forward? This is what they're doing. They're saying, you've brought us out here to die. We didn't have enough food. God provided the manna and the quail. Now you don't have enough water. It's not a question of if God will provide for you. It's just how. That's the difference between, if you read the Gospel of Luke, Zechariah, who was the father of John the Baptist, the angel Gabriel came and said, you and your wife are going to have a son, even though you are far beyond childbearing years, and you're going to name him John. And Zachariah says, how can that be? And angel Gabriel says, I am the angel Gabriel who stands before the throne of the Lord. You will be silent. You will not be able to speak until the child is born. And then the angel Gabriel goes to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and says, you are going to have a child, even though you have never had sex with a man, you are going to have a son. His name will be Jesus. And she says, how can this be? The difference is the attitude. Zachariah says, how can that happen? Lack of faith. Mary says, how? Not lack of faith, a curiosity. Okay, God's going to do that. I'm curious how, but okay. The situation the Israelites are in is, we need provision from the Lord or we will die. We have seen him deliver us from slavery. We have crossed the Red Sea as if it were dry land while our enemies were drowned. We didn't have enough food and God provided, and now we don't have enough water. 
Lord, we thank you for your provision. We don't know how you're going to do that, and we are excited to see how you do it. That's the attitude that they should have come with had they thought about it correctly, but instead they come with this attitude of demand and unfaithfulness and ungratefulness. Verse 3, but the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses, and they said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Fathers, mothers, if you are leading your family faithfully and well, as best as you can, as the Lord gives you the grace, and your children grumble, and and anyone connected with your leadership is grumbling, you are not alone. You're in good company. Moses is here with you. Every leader in the Bible who has stood faithfully in what God has commanded has had somebody or some buddies, a group of people come and, and challenge their leadership. My leadership at Faith on Hill stands or falls on whether God's with me or not. And yeah, there have been people that have challenged it, and I just say, you know, it's between you and the Lord. And if, and if I'm out of line, you know, I'm thankful that we have a system in place uh, between our leadership and the superintendent. And um, I'm thankful for that system that's a check on me. It's a balance against me so that I can't become a dictator. But I also know that the Lord raises up leaders, leaders of families, fathers and mothers, leaders of communities, leaders of churches, and there's always going to be people that grumble against God's leaders. Then the Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. And I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. So wherever they're camping, there's some massive rock. I'm assuming that it was a, a, the rock of Horeb was a known thing. It was a milestone. It was a marker for those traveling in the wilderness. And what does God say to do? He says, stand together in unity with the elders. If you want to know about how God has arranged the church and godly leaders and the marks of godly leaders, you can check out 1 Timothy. You can check out the book of Titus, where it gives description of, of elders and deacons. Elders are overseers of the church. Deacons are uh, servant leaders within the church. Our trustees, Randy and Kaylee, are deacons. Uh, we, uh, our faith, our, our tradition, our, our, our group of churches doesn't have a real strong sense of elders and deacons. Um, w- the history of our, our church, and I don't want to bore anybody with, with history, but John Wesley came 200 years after the Protestant Reformation. So the Church of England in John Wesley's day was still very Catholic. And then when he started what became the Methodist movement, it was still very Church of England in its structure. And our group of churches came out of that, uh, that general movement, and so we were very traditional in our structure. But they had long gone away in the Catholic Church from the, the biblical concept of elders and deacons. So I'll say this. We have good and godly leaders in our church, and what I try to do is stand with them. Uh, we have a, a leadership team in our church called the Pastor Parish Committee, and what they do 
is there a way that if somebody has a, a, a genuine concern about the way things are going in the church, you can go to them, Dave Centers, Janelle Centers, Mark Harris, Greg Wilson, Andy Hill, Yvonne Phillips, men and women, young, old, and in between. And you can go to them and they will speak to me on your behalf. And when we make a decision together or kind of come to some consensus together, then we don't, they don't speak for me, we speak together. And there have been times where we have had to stand together as the Lord has led us and say, this is the way we think we should go. And we don't know if it's going to be popular or not, but this is the way we think it should be. So Moses did this in the sight of all the elders. Moses was the leader of the people of Israel. And I believe that the church should have strong leadership. I I believe that there has never been a group or an organization that has thrived without a strong leader in place. And at the same time, he did it in unity with the elders. I want to be in unity with my fellow pastors in this community. And so I, I make the choice to, to pray and to partner with the other churches in our community. I want to be in unity with the other pastors in our family of churches. So I make a choice to be actively involved in the Pacific Conference because I want to be actively involved and, and in unity with them. I want to be in unity with our leaders here. And so Moses did as the Lord commanded, and he called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled because they attested the Lord saying, is not the Lord among us or not? Now, Massah means testing and Meribah means quarreling. So he renamed the place from Horeb. He, he renamed it testing and quarreling. And he struck the rock and water came out of it and the people had enough to drink. God provided for the people. How much better would it have been if the people had just said, we know that God's going to deliver us. Can you go and ask God how? It could have been a place of faith and rejoicing. He could, have named, he could have named the place faithfulness and unity. And instead, it was a place of testing and quarreling. One of my great fears, and it has become obvious, is division in the church through this crisis. Now, I am thankful that, generally speaking, Faith on Hill has stayed connected and unified as a church during this crisis. And we've had to work through things. You might remember the Sunday after George Floyd died, instead of our normal sermon, I I did a conversation with Pastor Herman, who pastors our sister church, Abundant Life, in northeast Portland. It's a black church. And Herman has been a leader in that community for many, many years. And so we had a conversation about race and injustice And for the next several weeks, that was the conversation in our Zoom small groups and in different places as we worked through together where we were at with all of this stuff. And there's been different opinions about COVID and do we need to wear a mask? Do we not? Uh, I know there are people in our church that that think it's kind of silly, all this stuff, and yet they wear masks anyway when they show up to our church in the field service because they're loving the people that that is a concern. I'm thankful for that, but I know that's not the case in every church, and I know that's not always the case among churches. I hope that when they name this time, it's not testing and quarreling, but it's faith and unity. 
I hope that for our church, and I hope that our church can be part of that for the churches in our region and the churches in our family of churches. Is not the Lord among us? Of course he is. God has never abandoned us. He has never forsaken us. He knew that this time would come. He knew that everything that we're struggling with right now would be a thing. God has been revealing injustice in our culture. God has been revealing our dependence on our own agenda. God has been revealing our faith in our own system. And it's up to us to respond and say, Lord, we repent where we have sinned. Show us where we have grumbled and where we have been testing you with unfaithfulness and replace that with full faith, unity, and love for each other and the world around us. I want to say thank you for joining us for another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study. New episodes are released every Thursday. You can find the audio version on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Video version is available on our Facebook page, facebook.com backslash faithonhill. Our website is faithonhill.com. My name's Adam. If you have any questions about anything I said, you can email me, adam at faithonhill.com. Or you can send us a message through our Facebook page or our website. We'll see you again for another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study next Thursday.